0: Hello and welcome to Bedtime Stories with me, R.A. Spratt. Okay, so today we're reading my book, The Pesky Kids Three Stuck in the Mud. And we're halfway through Chapter 10 The Home Front. Here we go. Downstairs in the kitchen, Dad and Ingrid had heard every word of the argument. They hadn't just heard it, they had seen it. The light fitting rattled and shook as April stomped off and slammed the door. ''Oh, dear,'' said Dad, ''I worry about April. She's so angry.'' ''She is fine,'' said Ingrid, as she sipped her cup of tea. ''It is good to let emotions out.'' ''But she never keeps them in,'' worried Dad. ''It is healthier,'' said Ingrid. ''It is the oldest boy I worry about.'' ''Who?'' asked Dad. ''Joe, your son,'' said Ingrid. ''He keeps his anger buried.'' ''Maybe he hasn't got any,'' suggested Dad. Ingrid shook her head. He must. After all the boy has been through, their mother disappearing, all her lies, you abandoning them. I didn't abandon them, protested Dad. I was taken into hiding. Ingrid shrugged. Children are simple. To them it is all abandonment. She kept sipping her tea. Dad didn't say anything. His hands were shaking too much to hold a beverage. The doorbell rang. Dad practically fell off his chair. "'Who could that be now?' he asked. "'I'm not used to having this many visitors.' "'You had better answer it,' said Ingrid. "'Can't we just be really quiet and hope they go away?' whispered Dad. "'No,' said Ingrid. "'I'll answer it,' April called. They heard her banging her way down the stairs. "'Is it safe for her?' asked Dad. "'If not, the little dog, it will protect her,' said Ingrid philosophically. Meanwhile, in the hallway, April stomped over to the front door. "'What do you want?' she demanded as she threw open the door. She hadn't really formed any expectation of who she was going to confront, although she had half been hoping it was someone from the collective. She'd learned some new jiu-jitsu moves online and she wanted to test them out on someone to see if the chokes worked. But April had definitely not been expecting the sight and certainly not the smell in front of her. April opened the door to discover Mr Chelsea. His van was parked right behind him with the words Chelsea Bakery, the best bakery in Karawong," hand-painted on the side. The smell of the freshly baked cakes and treats wafted from his vehicle. April was still very angry and upset about the confrontation with Loretta. She would have dearly loved to have been rude to this man, perhaps provoke him into a wrestling match, but even her dark heart was softened by that heavenly smell. "'Is Joe home?' asked Mr Chelsea. "'Why?' asked April suspiciously. "'I, uh, want to talk to him,' said Mr Chelsea. "'He's still at school,' said April. "'He is?' said Mr Chelsea." He doesn't finish until three, said April. Surely you know that. I didn't realise that Joe was still at school, said Mr Chelsea. He's such a large lad, and he eats so much, I just assumed he was an adult. Did I hear you say you're looking for Joe? asked Loretta. She had followed April downstairs. Loretta had a keen interest in Joe, ever since he had taken her to the cockroach ball. Loretta enjoyed irritating people, and it had really irritated Daisy daughter that the best lawn bowler in Currawong had taken someone else. ''Um, yes,'' admitted Mr Chelsea, ''but since he's not here, I'll come back another time.'' ''Are you sure you wouldn't like to come in and wait?'' asked Loretta, putting on her most devastatingly sincere smile. ''You could bring some of your cake in with you. We'd hate for it to go stale out there, sitting in your van.'' They all glanced at the van. It smelled wonderful. But its beatific image was slightly tarnished by Pumpkin, peeing on the rear tyre. ''Oh no, I'd better go,'' said Mr Chelsea nervously. Just then, Pumpkin started barking and running down the driveway. He disappeared round the bend, and a moment later they heard a distinctive cry. Ow! Oh, that's Finn, said April, grinning. The boys must be coming home. At that moment, Joe came around the bend in the driveway. Finn staggered a few paces behind, dragging along Pumpkin, whose teeth had a firm grip on his sock. Ah, Joseph, called Mr Chelsea, with a false joviality. I was wondering if I could have a quiet word with you. Huh? said Joe. His name isn't Joseph, said April. Joe is short for Peregrine. Mr Chelsea looked confused, but he hurried over towards Joe. And there's no point walking down there to talk, Loretta called after him. I can read lips, so I'll be listening in, even if I can't hear. Oh, uh, uh, but it's a private matter, said Mr Chelsea awkwardly. He stopped in the middle of the driveway and mopped his brow. He was sweating a lot, considering it wasn't a hot day and he was nowhere near his oven. He looked at Joe and raised his eyebrows, hopefully. Joe glanced about. He hated being the centre of attention. "'This is a small town,' said Finn, staggering past Joe with pumpkins still dangling from his ankle. "'I have been informed by multiple residents that there can be no expectation of privacy in a small town.'" "'Please,' said Mr Chelsea, looking at Joe with pleading eyes. "'Is there somewhere we can talk?' Joe had seen eyes like that before, mainly when he looked in the mirror." "'They say that eyes are the window to the soul. "'That's certainly the case when you have a stammer "'because your words aren't doing their job properly. "'They're a blocked fire exit to the soul. "'For Joe, words recklessly endangered his emotions from escaping.' "'He took pity on Mr Chelsea. "'All right. "'Perhaps we could talk in the house,' suggested Mr Chelsea. "'Oh, not really,' said Joe, "'thinking of the time a few weeks ago "'when Professor Maynard had revealed "'that she was using their telephone as a listening device. "'We could go for a walk.' Mr. Chelsea shook his head. He would have preferred an option that did not involve exercise. "'Here,' said Mr. Chelsea. "'Why don't we step into my van?' This seemed like an odd suggestion. Traditionally, children are taught not to get into cars with strangers. But Joe was a hungry boy, and he was intrigued by the idea of seeing the inside of a baker's truck. It smelled wonderful, and since Joe was a lot bigger and more athletic than Mr. Chelsea, and there were lots of witnesses if Mr. Chelsea did try to kidnap him— Joe decided it was worth the risk. Okay, Mr. Chelsea threw open the back double door of the truck and stepped up into the vehicle. Joe followed. When Mr. Chelsea closed the door behind them, it was very dark at first. Then he flicked on the interior light, and to Joe's mind, it was the most wonderful, magical sight to behold. He actually gasped with delight. It was like being inside the witch's gingerbread house in The Story of Hansel and Gretel. Joe was surrounded on all sides by walls of delicious, edible baked goods. There were tarts, cakes, slices, pies, mousse, friands, macaroons, and so much more, and it was all around him. Now, Joe was hungry pretty much all the time, but he was especially hungry after a long day of trying to get through school without speaking to anyone. Right at this moment, his brain stopped functioning rationally, and all he could think was, "'Food! Must have food!' "'Joseph,' said Mr Chelsea, who had seated himself on an upturned milk crate. Joe was uncomfortable bent over with his head and shoulders pressed against the roof. "'Take a seat!' Joe's brain did not want to multitask. It wanted to eat, but he was still able to follow this simple verbal instruction. Joe sat. "'I have a proposition to put to you,' said Mr Chelsea. "'I would like to give you all this food.' He spread his arms wide to indicate that he meant all the food in the truck. Joe's brain practically went into shock. It was so excited to be hearing exactly what it wanted to hear. All of it, Gasped Joe. Yes, all of it, said Mr. Chelsea. And more. More, whispered Joe. If you can just do one little thing for me, said Mr. Chelsea. Joe nodded. He didn't want to open his mouth. It was watering so badly, he didn't want the saliva to spill out and form a puddle around his feet. I need you to win the mud run, said Mr Chelsea. Joe's brain stalled. It couldn't process why a man with so much cake would be asking him to do this. If you do, said Mr Chelsea, I will give you a year's supply of as much baked goods as you can eat. Mr Chelsea waved at all the treats around him. You can have all this and more, much more, every day. You just need to win that race. Joe looked across at the cakes and treats. There was a beautiful cherry danish sitting just centimetres from his face. He reached out to it, but Mr Chelsea slapped his hand away. First, you must win the race. Joe struggled to regain control of his hunger. This didn't make sense. It was such a strange proposal. So much cake. Such an odd thing to ask. Why? Joe finally asked. Mr Chelsea bit his lip. His face flushed. I need you to beat that woman. ''What?'' said Joe. ''Maya Dharawal,'' whispered Mr Chelsea. ''Why?'' asked Joe. ''She seems like a nice lady. She does a lot for asthma.'' ''Because this race is breaking me,'' said Mr Chelsea. Now his eyes started to water. He dabbed at them with the corner of his apron. Joe was horrified. The only thing worse than when a girl started crying was when grown men started crying. He was beginning to regret getting into this otherwise heavenly van. "'Do you mean?' asked Joe. "'If she wins,' continued Mr Chelsea, "'there'll be international news coverage. "'They'll be talking about it everywhere, "'and everyone will be asking me "'why I don't match the women's prize money to the men's.' "'So why don't you?' asked Joe. "'I can't afford to,' wailed Mr Chelsea. "'This is a small town. "'I may make delicious cake, "'but there's a limit to how much money I can make "'selling cake to 8,000 people.' "'Oh,' said Joe, beginning to wrap his mind around the nature of Mr Chelsea's problem. "'I can't really afford the prize to the men's winner either,' said Mr Chelsea. "'It was that Brad Peddler. "'He changed everything when he took over as race organiser two years ago. "'He wanted everything to be bigger and better.' "'Joe frowned. Surely better was better. "'You see,' continued Mr Chelsea, "'I knew him when he was a boy. "'He used to deliver bread for me. "'His mum made him get the job.' "'He was chubby, you know. "'She thought if he cycled 50 kilometres a day, "'he might lose weight.' "'Did he?' asked Joe. "'Of course not,' said Mr Chelsea. "'He was cycling 50 kilometres a day, "'but he had pannier bags full of cake. "'My customers never got their full orders "'and he never lost a kilo. "'But I was fond of the lad. "'When he came back to town a couple of years ago, "'he took me out to lunch, butted me up, "'then put the contract in front of me to sign. "'I didn't have my reading glasses on at the time.' These days he has such a forceful personality. Joe nodded. He was always agreeing to do things that he didn't want to do, just so people would stop talking to him. I couldn't see the page clearly, said Mr Chelsea. The decimal point was one spot to the right of what I was expecting. Huh? said Joe. He wasn't good at maths generally, and he never put much thought into decimals. I thought the prize money for the winner was going to be $1,000, said Mr Chelsea. When I woke up the next morning, I saw in the local paper that I'd agreed to sponsor the race for 10 years with the winner getting $10,000. That's $10,000 I've got to come up with every year. Do you know how much cake I've got to bake and sell to make that kind of money? A lot, guessed Joe. Yes, that's right, said Mr Chelsea. Then he added on the grant money for the winning school student. That's another $2,000. Now if I have to match the women's prize money, I'll have to come up with even more. Oh, said Joe. The size of the baker's problem was beginning to dawn on him. Which is why I need a local man to win, said Mr Chelsea. And everyone is saying, that man is you. But I'm not a man, stammered Joe. You're close enough, said Mr Chelsea. You'll have to do. But I'm just good at lawn bowls, said Joe. I've never done mud running. Then practice, urged Mr Chelsea. You've got four weeks until the race. That's lots of time. I can arrange to have mud delivered to your home so you can train right here. Oh, Dad wouldn't like that, said Joe. His father had very low standards generally, but he was rightly proud of his garden. But Mr Chelsea was not a successful businessman for nothing. He leaned in and whispered his last bargaining point. I'll give you all the baked goods you need for carb loading. If you agree to this, you can walk out of this van with all the cake you can carry. Joe could not hold out any longer. His stomach outvoted his brain. Deal, he cried. They shook hands, and Joe had the cherry danish in his mouth in less than three nanoseconds. And that is the end of the chapter. So until next time, goodbye.